This Thacker Slate podcast is hosted by Connie Thacker and Allison Slate, two experienced attorneys who believe honesty, transparency, and knowledge are key to achieving the best legal outcomes. A variety of topics, particularly those related to sensitive family law matters, are candidly covered by Connie and Allison in a way that's refreshing, timely, and practical for listeners. Connie and Allison here today, and we have uh, Mary uh, Hilger, who is our new attorney at our office. We're really pleased to have her uh, join our team, and she's an expert in estate planning, and we wanted to chat with her about what do you do when you're going through the divorce process? Do you change your estate planning? Do you not change your estate planning? And when you do, what are some of the things that we all think uh, as attorneys should be included in the estate planning? So I'll let Allison speak a little bit about what happens at the beginning of cases and orders that we see as to whether or not the parties can actually change their estate planning. Yeah, at the beginning of a case, it's really very, very common to have what's called a mutual restraining order enter. And what that means is we're trying to protect the, the couples, the married couple's status quo. So that can involve making sure that insurance stays the same. It can involve making sure estate planning stays the same. It can involve making sure the finances stay the same. And so when we enter those, what we're trying to do is make sure that the marital estate is intact when we later divide by two. So one of the things that you should do if you're going to be going through a divorce is gather your estate plan, make sure that you have it, and then check with your attorney, which hopefully will be either Connie or Allison, and we'll let you know as to whether or not you should be changing your estate planning. But Mary, what do you think some of the benefits, I mean, the obvious benefits are that if you die during the divorce, you know where your assets are, are going to go. So what are, what are some of the reasons that you think people should actually change their estate planning during the v- divorce process? Yeah, definitely. And especially uh, if they've had a joint trust or estate plan with their now ex-spouse, you want to make sure that you change that and make sure that it's a separate living trust. So you're able to be the sole person or person in charge or grantor or trust maker that you can change it and make the changes that you need in the future. Uh, especially if there was joint property in the in the marital trust or the joint trust, you want to make sure that that's divided equally between the two now ex-spouses and then allocated to that specific spouse who has the current ownership on the account, whether it's an insurance policy, uh, retirement account, IRA, 401k, uh, real estate, so marital home, how that's decided on the divorce, whether that's going to one spouse or sold completely, if there's any cottage properties, things like that, you want to make sure that that's going to who you want it and who has ownership of it after the divorce. Well, and I think we can even back up because I think you should probably tell people what a trust is and, mm-hmm. and what a will is. And Yeah, good point. You know, yeah. I often hear Jamie say that a will is simply a compass to the courthouse, so maybe you can just comment on that. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like it's kind of common knowledge, like, oh, I need a will, I need a will, but a lot of people don't really know what that means. And some people don't realize that if you have a will set up, yeah, it's great, and it, set, it sets parameters for how you want some of your assets to be distributed after you pass away you also will have to go to probate court if you have a will. And some people don't know what probate court is, and that's an entire process that you have to go through with a will, and you have to make your private assets public. You have to submit paperwork and documents to the court, and those are made open to the public, and anyone can gain access to those. So you're losing a lot of privacy that you would have if you had a trust. Um, And you have to figure out who your personal representative is, and you have to have that appointed by the court and it just, it can be very time inclusive or time. 
Time-consuming, yeah. Time-consuming. And, and it's uh, also expensive, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. because then you have to pay for it versus if you just have the trust. And I always tell clients too, you know, sometimes they come in and they just want to spend a couple bucks to get a trust and then they spend it a little bit in the front end, but a whole lot in the back end mm-hmm. or they actually get the trust document itself and they spend more money in the front end and less money in the back end. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of what the, the trust documents do. Um, if someone's going to change their estate planning during the, the process, what are some of the things that you recommend that they do? And one of them you already mentioned was if you've got a joint trust to get out of that joint trust because you don't want to be in that. Um, and uh, the other thing, too, I think is important for people to think about is, has their trust been funded? Mm-hmm. And Mary's probably going to want to ask you, what are the assets that are in the trust? So it's important for people to know, and it's amazing how many people don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can have the best trust created by an attorney, and you can have it signed and finalized and legally binding, but if it's not funded you're still going to have to go through probate court and nothing's going to be able to go to the ones that you love that you've left in your trust to benefit from your assets while you were living. So you want to make sure things are funded. So that means putting assets in the name of the trust. So making sure that the home is in the name of the trust. So you deed it to the trust. Um, That way, when you pass away and the house is sold, the proceeds of that house sale will go to your beneficiaries in the trust. You want to make sure you have the correct beneficiary designations on 401ks and retirement accounts. And those you get into whole whole lot of tax law implications if you have an incorrect beneficiary named and whether or not you're going to be taxed on those dollar amounts that you were able to save while you were living. Um, You want to make sure you put any type of beneficiary designation on bank accounts. A lot of people don't have anyone named on a bank account when they pass away. So you need to make sure that the trust is named as that transfer on death beneficiary because if you don't have anyone named, your the your loved ones are going to have to go to court, say that whatever's left in that bank account has to go back into the trust and that'll take between three and six months to a couple years depending on the complexity of the estate. You know, one of the other things that we see a lot in the divorce arena that sometimes causes havoc is the uh, parties have done these um, financial powers of attorneys and they're applicable while the party is alive. And some of them you see that they sign them effective upon execution. And some of them you see that they've signed them what are called springing powers of attorney. Can you speak to those a little bit and really the importance of what can happen with that document if you don't revoke it uh, during the divorce process? Yeah, sure. Uh, So the difference between effective on signing and then a springing financial power of attorney means Uh, when that document becomes legally binding. So if it's a springing document, that means it becomes legally binding when the person who created the document signs a waiver saying, yeah, I give you my permission to do these financial decisions on my behalf. Um, If the document is effective on signature, completion of the document, the person you're naming as your agent or attorney in fact, um, when we're talking about financial power of attorney, um, they're able to go out and make financial decisions on your behalf. So buying and selling property, investing, bank account management, things like that. Um, Depending on who you named as your agent or attorney, in fact, when you first created the document, I mean, if you have your now ex-spouse named and it was effective on signing, they still have full authority to make these big financial decisions on your behalf and they legally could go out and withdraw the money in your bank account um, because they have that legal authority based on that financial power of attorney that they signed X number of years ago. So you definitely want to make sure that you 
revoke any um, previous financial power of attorney documents that may be effective currently and make sure you change that person if it's now ex-spouse, if you don't want them having that power anymore. Well, and I think it's also important at the end of a divorce case, I think that people often experience a little bit of legal fee fatigue, uh, but it's really important to get your estate planning done, especially if you have minor children, because we spend a whole lot of time and energy getting the divide by two right. And then if the other, if you were to die after that and the money went back to your kids because they're your only beneficiaries, uh, you'd really have a problem because the person that's going to be in charge is your ex-spouse. And so I think that people don't really understand or contemplate that They've spent all this time and money, and really, in reality, if, if they were to pass away without these documents in place, it's just going to go back to where it started. Yeah, and I think that's all really great advice. So just to sort of sum it up, <clears throat> you know, the estate planning is really important uh, in your case to avoid uh, probate because it's expensive and time-consuming, and you don't want to be going out there with these executed powers of attorney so that your spouse can drain the bank accounts whenever he or she would want to do that. And it's imperative, as Allison said, for you to get your estate planning revised at the end of your case. And that's why we have uh, what we think is the best estate planning lawyers in town uh, working with us. And so all of our clients go through that process at the end because we think that it's uh, something that absolutely has to happen. So thank you, ladies, for coming today and sharing your insights on estate planning. And uh, look forward to talking to you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Thacker Slate podcast. If you have additional questions, do not hesitate to contact us at 616-888-3810 or visit our website, thackerslate.com, for additional information. 